Hello, my name is Jeff Sturgill, and I was introduced to Emily White through D Arms after mentioning to him that I like to work on cars. And he said that she had a couple vehicles that she might be able to use my help with. Emily's husband had just passed away a few months ago, and I was able to help her sell one car on Marketplace, and I helped her put a headlight assembly in another vehicle so she could drive it. In the past, God has put me in the right place at the right time. And I believe he put me in the right place and time again to help Emily. And through this, I have also made two good friends between Emily and Dee. I would say consider the gifts that God has given you and think of the ways that you can help others, whether in the church or a family member or someone you don't even know. Let's praise God for Jeff helping Emily and caring for her. Yeah. And that's what it's about. It's about using your gifts to serve others, to care for them, to build them up. But it's not just Jeff. It's many of you that I see caring for people around you, using your gifts and abilities to love on them, to strengthen them. I love seeing God's church caring for the, God's people. I think of our funeral, funeral meal team as they care for hurting families. Uh, often uh, during a funeral uh, day, they, they will have a meal prepared for the family in the Family Life Center, in the gym. I, I love seeing that. I think about the meal trains that go out from you, the, the body of Christ for families that are sick and hurting. I think of the benevolence team who meets on Monday nights, almost every Monday night, and, and hears the needs of people in the community and the church and, and looks for ways that we can help meet those needs. I think of you praying for, encouraging, and meeting, meeting the needs of the Hassan family as Brody kicks cancer's butt. Amen? All right, yeah. I think of the elders uh, as they often will pray on Wednesday nights late after their meetings for the people that are in need and hurting. I think of the elders, they go out and anoint people that are sick with oil and trusting in the Holy Spirit in relations to James chapter 5, that those people would be made well. I think of you listening and spending time with loved ones, your children, your grandchildren, your neighbors, listening to them and loving on them in their times of hurt and need, I think of the church caring for others, and it's awesome. And today we're going to examine, and I pray, be encouraged by God's call for the church to care. You're like, I, I love it. I love when the church cares for me. That's what it's all about. Well, it, you're, you're right. The church is to be caring for you. 100% true, the church is to care for you. And if you, if you feel like you just deserve and need care, you're, you're in the right place. But we need to also understand this in a moment's notice, that we're to care for one another, amen? That we're all to be caring for each other, all of us. Let's say that together on the count of three, all of us. One, two, three, all of us. You said that fairly convinced, all right, that's good. But we're to be caring for one another, all of us. Not just our care pastor, D-Arms or myself as your shepherd, pastor, or, or the elders as they shepherd and care for you. Uh, we're, we're to be caring for one another. And I know it's not easy. We live in a world that has so many things that need our attention and our time. We have so many things that are competing for our, 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 our just emotion and the things that we care about. 
Some of you are thinking, how do I have time to care for others when I barely have enough hours in the day for myself? And I want to just time out right now. This is an early time out in today's sermon. It's a warning from you as, as a, your spiritual coach. If you're to the point where you honestly don't have capacity or margin to care for people and you've lost the desire to even make that matter, you are not following the example of Christ. And we need to readjust. If we get to the point where, where caring ceases to matter, we're not following Christ. Listen to these words to Paul as he writes in Galatians chapter 6. He's writing this church in Galatia, and they have lost the ability to care for one another, even in their burdens, even in their troubles. They have become self-centered. I think a, a lot like the temptation of the American church right now. We have so many things put at our fingertips where we just want to absorb, we want to take in for ourselves. And Paul says, stop, wait a second. You're to be supporting each other. This is what he says. And if the shoe fits, wear it. It's not my words. It's the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul. Galatians chapter 6, it says this. Share each other's burdens. In the same way, obey the law of Christ. So, so as you follow Christ, you want to obey what Christ does. And the, the law that he's established, share with each other. Care for each other. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Those would be good word, the Graber house, every once in a while. The, the Grabers, uh, uh, as we share life together with brothers and sisters, husband and wife, uh, children and, and parents, we need to hear this. We need to share each other's burdens. And the point we think we're too important to help someone else in our own family, the church, your neighbor, we're only kidding ourselves. We're not that important. And while this is a sober wake-up call, I have good news overall. That when we do slow down to care for one another, it's not only you're blessing them, but you're going to be blessed. In your marriage, uh, for your children, in the sake of the church, in the community, uh, it, it, for the sake of the kingdom of God, when we build each other up, we all grow together with one another. It's kind of like a whole body workout. As you can tell, I have mastered the whole body workout. That's Tiffany, Tiffany would, that was a terrible, she she would totally disagree with that, and it's true. Uh, we need to learn about physical nature. It applies to spiritual nature. But we understand the concept of a whole body workout. Most of us do. It's this idea that you can't just work your legs out or, or your arms, your shoulders, your back. You, you've got to work the entire body if the whole body is going to be built up. How ridiculous it is to think you're just going to work the legs day after day after day, but no arms or no back. You're, you're not going to ever just focus on the arms and, and neglect the rest of the body. But that is exactly what a Russian bodybuilder did. Just check him out here. He focused on his arms com completely. This guy, it was probably built a little bit like me, uh, had trouble putting on muscle mass. He got tired of that. He said, oh, I'm going to at least build one muscle. So he committed to, to just doing his biceps. And, and he focused on that, had a little bit of gains. But then he's like, it's not happening fast enough. So what he did next was he injected his biceps with growth hormones and some type of uh, some special oil compound. His biceps swelled tremendously, and he, he had his 15 minutes of fame over the internet. How many of you ever caught wind of this guy before? He was called the Russian Popeye, okay? Uh, had a little bit of success, uh, got some attention, some, some sponsorships, and then his biceps pretty much exploded and died. True story. I, I could have showed you another picture, but it was gruesome. From here to here, they removed all of his muscles, and he has nothing there. He neglected the rest of his body. His body almost died uh, because he had focused only on his biceps. And then his biceps were blown out and now are forever gone. 
What a tragic story of someone who said, oh, one muscle is the only one that matters. But how much are we sometimes like that in the church? In the fact that we think only one person is to serve and, and every other member of the body is to be served, what happens is the entire body begins to decline and, and fade away while that one body may be strengthened for time. If not careful, if it doesn't receive support from the rest of the body, it will blow out and be destroyed. That's the message you have to be very careful about. That's the message Paul's talking about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you, if you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to spend some time here. It's on page 958. If you've got a Bible like me around you, if you want to look at it, it's going to be on the screen as well. But we're going to start with chapter 12, verse 12. And Paul here is talking about the body physically, but also spiritually as brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's what he says to the church in Corinth and to us. For just as the body is one and as many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. He says, so look at your body. Know there are many uh, parts of it, but it forms one body. Verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body be an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If we were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need for you. Look at verse 25 now. There may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And here's the verse that really uh, struck me this week. Uh, because there's no division in the body, all the members may have the same care. If one member suffers, all suffers together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. If you have been saved by the blood of Jesus, if you have placed your faith in him and made him Lord, you are a part of the body of Christ. Not just in this church, uh, nothing to do with this building, but the body of Christ globally. And, and we're to be building one another up. Uh, Paul explains it here uh, to the church in Corinth by thinking about our own physical bodies because we understand that we all have them. They're not all the same, but they have the main, uh, same body parts. And the church in Corinth was very focused on bodies. Uh, to, some, to a certain extent, if you read the other letter uh, to the church, they were very sexually orientated as well. They, they were very much uh, uh, focused on what the body looked like and what it could do and, and the sensuality of the body and the physical nature of the body. So when Paul started talking about this, they're really paying attention. The church in Corinth was also extremely uh, well-to-do compared to the rest of the world they had high standards of living with food and with clothing and with their houses. They were highly intellectual. And so they, they thought they had an upper hand on most of the rest of the world, in which they did. They were very blessed. But what it led them to do is be very much based on the way things looked. They would come to church and they would kind of have their status by how good they looked and how uh, great of a first impression they made. So they were blessed and were very focused on the way things looked. Does that sound familiar to anybody in today's world? Compared to the rest of the world, guys, we're blessed. 
And we come to church, and we want things to look a certain way. We want things to, to be a certain way. And if things uh, feel good and first impressions are okay, we've had a good day. Guys, that's not spirituality. That, that is, that's playing church. But yet Paul gets their attention by talking about the body and the way things would work together. How you appeared was extremely important to them, so they paid attention to this talk of the body. And he gives them this illustration, but there's some key points in here on how to care for one another within the body. And here's the first thing. To care well for each other, here's one thing we've got to do. And it sounds so simple, but if you do this, you're well on your way to caring for one another. Be present when caring for one another. Be present. The body parts can't say, I'm removing myself if it's going to have any uh, positive impact on the rest of the body. In the same way, we have to be present to have an impact to build each other up. We've got to show up in each other's lives, not just to worship, but in each other's lives. For 10 years, I coached junior high basketball in Hershey, Illinois for the Dragons, okay? It was a big deal. Uh, this is a team. I wonder who that guy is on the left. Where did he go? I don't know. And where did that sweater go? I can no longer find it in my house. Tiffany... <laughs> I'd love to have that sweater back. Not really, but, but that, that was a few years ago now. Uh, but on this team, by this time I was coaching eighth graders. I coached seventh graders for a year, then eighth graders. Then I moved up to high school. Uh, when there was a need, I just kept moving up. But uh, for 10 years, I coached with the junior high. And here was a dilemma. For the eighth grade team, we could only keep 12 players because we had 12 jerseys. Pretty simple math. You've got 12. You can, and for seventh grade, we kept 15. The dilemma was every year about this time of year, we would have some open gyms, five or six of them, where the boys who wanted to play could just come to open gym. And it was fun, exciting. We would do these drills and we'd scrimmage a little bit. We'd just see who was getting after it, who loved basketball. We'd have 40 plus boys show up for these things. Well, if you do the math, 12 and 15 isn't very many players, okay? We, we, at any given time, we could have 27 on the total roster. Some years we kept even less if, if it wasn't obvious who would make the team or not. But what I found was from the boys who showed up, maybe the 40 to 45 at open gym, by the time we had three days of tryouts, and my, one of my main requirements, if you want to make the team, unless you're a doctor or you've got a death in the family, you've got to be at tryouts. Only one time did I have to cut someone who was at all three tryouts. The rest of the boys pretty much removed themselves just because they didn't show up. They weren't present. They weren't, they weren't committed. Uh, oh, oh, they were there when it was easy, when it was fun. But when the, when the work came, when they had to show up to prove themselves, they, they got a little bit uh, scared. And, and generally, the, the, the guys that would show up three days in a row were the ones I was able to keep. In much the same way, guys, if we want to care well for the church, for one another, we've got to show up. We've got to be present. We've got to put in the work uh, to be with each other, to build each other up, to really be in each other's life. Here's the way the, the, the word puts it. Look at verse 14 again. The body does not consist of one member, but of many. If we're going to bless each other, we've got to be together with different body parts, with different members. As talented as Ben is, if he would say, I'm going to have a worship service here every week and sing songs of praise, which he could on his own, the body uh, would not function if he was alone in that near as well as it does when you're all here. It's not a one-member body. Look at verse 19. If all, single, if all were a single member, where would the body be? It's not. We're, we're made up of, of a, a group. Look at verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, individually members of it. We all come together to build each other up, to care for each other in worship, corporately, in, in communion, like we're going to celebrate in just a minute, in studying his word, in praying together. But you can even just be together with one-on-one, -on -one, listening to each other, 
uh, encouraging each other with word, and just being together and praying together. That's how we grow and build up, by spending time with the body. That's why the Hebrews writer says this in Hebrews 10. Let us consider how to stir up. Other translations say how we should uh, push on or how, how, to, how to develop one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. As we see the world fading away from Christ-like principles, as we see the call for Christ to return, and that could happen anytime, the more we believe that Christ is returning, the author here in Hebrews is saying the more we need to make sure the body's together and supporting each other. Because good things happen when we're stirring each other up. I heard it this week from my boys. We were eating supper together. It doesn't happen a lot. So uh, when it happens, I'm, I'm trying to pay attention. They may not think I am, but I'm just trying to uh, hear what's going on in their lives. And one of the boys, about halfway through supper, said, said man, something pretty cool happened today. He had a, a personal best on the bench press. Okay? This is not him. Uh, this is me. Okay? No, that, I wish that was still. No, that, that, that's just a picture I found on the Internet. But my boys went on to say, man, I had a personal best. I said, well, how'd it happen? He goes, I went up uh, not more than just, not just one increment. I went up like two or three increments of, of weight today. And I, I said, how'd it happen? He goes, I don't know. He goes, my coach was there. He was, he was spurring me on. Uh, so all of a sudden, some of my friends knew that I was hitting this milestone, and they came around to watch. And all of a sudden, he probably had this adrenaline spurred on by his encouragement and his team coming around him. He did a, a thing that he never would have probably done on his own. Guys, in much the same way and more, when we're together with Christ as his body, we do greater things than we will ever do on our own through him and the Holy Spirit and one another's support. The Bible makes it clear that we're to be coming together to spur one another on, to stir each other up for good works and love. Man, I saw it also not on the bench press, but in small groups this week. There's a small group of parents that's now meeting on Wednesday night, right? in the, the parlor over here, and they're, they're stirring each other up to be good parents. Uh, there, there's three groups that are stirring each other up to, to follow Christ in, in Bible study, and, and Dee's leading a group uh, to stir each other up on how to, to be leaders for Christ. So on Wednesday night, you can get in these groups to, to help build each other up in the Word and through prayer and relationship. I, I encourage you to join one of those groups this Wednesday at 630. Make it happen. On Sunday morning during Sunday school, there's groups all throughout this building at 9.30 where we can build each other up as we see the day approaching where Christ is going to return. But we've got to be present. It also says this, that we're going to encourage each other. We're going, when one part of the body is honored, we all celebrate. And here's something cool that happened yesterday. Claire was baptized. It's awesome. Claire K.O. was baptized for her, her dad, Paul, at the, the Christian camp right over in Mulberry Grove. And it is a beautiful thing. Let's praise God for Claire. What an awesome thing to celebrate. Claire's probably in the church building today. Encourage her. Encourage mom and dad. We need to be ready to celebrate these type of things when they happen. It, it sounds so simple, but a big part of building each other up is being present. You can't, as an arm, say, well, I'm no longer part of the body. You know who's going to be hurt? The entire body and, and, and you yourself. So be present. Fathers, be present in your marriages. That doesn't mean you just go on the couch and watch the news and fall asleep. Uh, 
Wives, be present for your husband. Be present for your children, your grandchildren. Be present for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Make time to be available and not just be there in physical nature, but be there mentally and spiritually. Be present. It'll make all the difference. I thank you for being present today in worship. It matters. It matters. This is, I've worshiped here with just a couple people, and it's not the same as worshiping with all of you. There's a blessing in this. But being present isn't enough as we try to care. Being physically here while it helps and being spiritually aware is good. But, but we have to be uh, aware, uh, be present in the sense that we know what's going on in our brothers and sisters' lives. We, we've got to, to ask how things are going. So let me ask you a couple questions to see how you're doing at caring for others. I know you're here, so, you, so you've started in this. But when is the last time you literally cared for someone in this room? Maybe someone sitting next to you, behind you, in front of you. Maybe me. Maybe someone in the balcony. When's the last time that you cared for someone in the body of Christ? Well, how do you do that? Well, when's the last time you prayed for someone or, or you listened to someone or you brought them a meal or, or you helped them change out a, a light socket or whatever it may be? When's the last time you cared for someone and served them? Well, if that's not, if it's been a while, let me ask you this question. How many people in the room do you even know? Because you're here today, but do you know anyone and their needs? Because there's a difference between just being present and really knowing someone and being known. So when's the, uh, who do you know? Let me ask you this. If you're not sure about that, do you even know anyone right now? Now, if you're new to the church, you get a grace pass here. You may not know anyone. We'd love to get to know you. Fill out a connect card uh, and put it in the generosity box. We want to know you. But, but if you've been here a while, do you know anyone? And I'm sure there's 30 or 40 of you, and one of the blessings of growing up in a small community is you know everyone. And some of you here know everyone around. You know where they live and who their great-grandma is. Some of you just know everyone. But do you know them? Have you served them? Do you, do you really meet their needs? If we're going to be present, it just can't be physically. It must be in this relational context. And it leads me to the second thing, we, to, to, to care. We must be authentic. Be authentic when caring for one another. See, this idea of authentic, authentic is knowing who you are and, and being your real self and in relationship knowing who someone else is and then joining with them. L listen to the way the, the Word of God puts it. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body it would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would its sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would its sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of, in the body, each one of them as he chose. So we've got to be real about this. We've got to be authentic. God made you the way you are to be you within the church body and not to be somebody else. But we also need to know who we are, whether it's an ear or an eye or a foot or the rear end, whatever it may be. You've got to say, this is who I am. This is I'm part of the body. This is a simple illustration, but Paul is wanting us to know that God has made us just the way we are, and it's perfect. I, I, tell, I told the kids a lot growing up, God has made you the way you are, and it's beautiful. It's, 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 it's awesome. 
And we need to all have that same understanding. Hear me, as your pastor today preaching from God's word, God has made you the way you are, and you're beautifully and wonderfully, miraculously made to be a part of his body the way he chose. Now, we can get into a, a, a debate this morning, a lot of things, but God has chosen the way he made us. Our world is suggesting we can all have this identity crisis to figure out who we are and what we're to be. No, God has made us uh, to be a blessing to one another uh, beyond anything else. And, and if we start choosing who, who we are to meet our own needs, we've missed the point. God has made you so miraculous, perfect to build up the body, to, to be blessed. And when you bless others, you, you're, you are yourself a blessing. The entire body desires to be built up and needs to be built up. I don't know if you caught one of the body parts I may have mentioned you were. And you're like, I wouldn't want to be that. You notice I said the rear end. It's not in the text, but you may be a rear, okay? There's a lot of other names for that, but God desires for all of you, however you're made to be that. And it's in the text, really, it is. If you keep going, I think from verse 23 and 24, it starts talking about this. It says some of the lesser parts. Paul doesn't even mention them. He just says some of the lesser parts. So I named one, the rear end. He says sometimes we just, just want to disrupt them and discard them and, and pretend like nobody is a rear, but there's rears everywhere. And he says this, the less valuable things that we may be, notice this in the text, he says they're indispensable. <laughs> Praise God for the things we don't, body parts we don't want to talk about that are lesser. Paul says they're perfectly indispensable. So next time you're talking to a, a good rear end, say you're indispensable and they won't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> But we know this. One of the things that I do not like to deal with in my life are feet. Unless they're my children's feet or my wife's feet, that's about as far as I can go. I just don't enjoy feet. They're, they're the lesser parts as far as I'm concerned as humans. But you know what Paul would say? A part of the body, even those things that you don't really enjoy to be around, those things you're a little uncomfortable with, they're indispensable. A couple times in my life, I have really had a foot problem. It usually involves a toe or two. But if you ever had a toe that was infected or maybe a toe that was smashed, you find out how important that toe is to the entire body really quick. Or you stub a toe, and for a few minutes, you're like, you wish you had any other body part you were aware of other than that toe. God is saying all body parts matter. No matter how much you want to dis discard them, they are perfect. So we need to be real about that, be authentic. And to be real and authentic, we've got to ask questions of each other. It's dangerous, though, at church, and we usually are pretty um, safe about this. If I were to ask you how you're doing at church, or I would say, so how are you today? How are things going? How are you? What's the number one answer people will give at church? What is it? I'm fine. Somebody asks you, how are you doing? I'm fine. And how are you doing? I'm fine. We're all fine. Have you, have you ever wondered why everybody at church is fine? How authentic is that? Because if we are really real, we are really truly authentic, and I would ask you how you're doing. Hey, Jacoby, how are you doing today? How are you? He's okay. I guess that's a little better than fine. How are you, Thomas? Okay. He's good. We need to really be aware of this, and I know there's times and place for this, and I know it's just social norms that we do, but really try to dive into people that you know 
and ask them how they are and then be willing to listen. And it's almost impossible at church. But sometime this week, I want us to, to dive into someone's life and say, how are you doing? And then listen. And if they say they're fine, say, how are you really? And here's what's cool. If somebody's doing good or great, celebrate with them. The Bible says that. If someone is suffering, suffer with them. But let's spend time to know how people really are. I know it can be uncomfortable. I can remember the first time that I was here serving as your pastor, and I told the elders how it really was. It, it happened uh, really the second full week I was here. The elders did an amazing thing. Uh, the first year I was here, we, we committed to a meeting together every Wednesday night for about an hour just to pray together and to, to know we were on the same page. And I think they did also to protect me, to hope uh, that I would at least last a year, okay? And, and so they were like, let's be together. They had never done that before. They had had meetings, don't get me wrong. They had meetings all the time. But the normal meeting before I came was a full board meeting. That was the normal meeting. It involved all the elders, all the deacons, and all the staff. Sometimes it was over 40 people. Do you have a chance in those type of meetings to really listen to each other? No. Not really. Because you were doing business. There was a lot of things to talk about. So in the second time the elders and I met, right over here in the parlor, uh, we got to a point. One of the elders had this radical idea. They said, Tyson, how are you doing? And to their surprise, I didn't just say, Fine. I went on to tell them that my kids were pretty much uh, scared to death as they were beginning to start school in the first school they'd ever known other than Hersher. And I told them about my wife and how she was really uh, sad missing her 15-year uh, relationships in Hersher. And I said, guys, I'm in way over my head. I need your prayer. And they're like, oh boy, what have we got ourselves into? <laughs> that's not what they said. I, that's what they looked like in their face. But you know what they did? Then they, they began to pray for my family, my wife and myself, and they prayed for the church. And for a year, they, we prayed about things that really matter, and we still pray. But they needed to know, and I needed them to know, that I wasn't just fine without their help, without God's power. So I want to ask you again, I want to let you know, I'm good, but I need your continued prayer. Uh, my family needs your prayer. My wife needs your prayer. And, and we pray for you. And if you have something that, that we can pray for you about, put it on the Connect card. Give us a call. Stop by the office. Let us know how you're doing. But let's be authentic so we can care for each other, okay? Let's be real. I love it when we can actually talk and we can share. I praise God that we grow together and keep it up. It is what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing. I would say the exact same thing. Keep encouraging each other. Keep building each other up. So I've got a challenge for you. It's going to make a few of you a little nervous. We're almost done, but this, this is a big challenge. Uh, in, in just a moment, I'm going to count to three, and, and you're going to go up around the room, somebody you've never met, and you're going to ask them how they are. And if they say fine, you say, try again. Okay, one, two, three, go. No, don't do that. Some, I appreciate it. Pre so, I, could you, congratulations for getting ready to move. Others of people in the room are like, no one move. You know, that made some of you really nervous, I'm sure. This is a hard place to do that, and it would be maybe unauthentic. But I really want to challenge you to listen and share how you are. The last thing, we need to be present. We also need to be authentic. We also need to be empathetic. Be empathetic as we care for one another. Look at the text. It says, there is no division in the body. You can't say, well, I'm not a part of this. You can't divide up the body. But the members may have the same care for one another. I'll say that again, that the members would have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, let them all rejoice. The NIV translates this as a mutual concern. 
It's the idea that as we look around to the body of Christ, to our families, that we have a mutual care or concern for one another. Guys, you would understand this. If you're, uh, if you're married and you have at least one child, raise your hand. If you're married, have one child. Okay, this is not a trap, I promise. You understand this point. This mutual concern comes out of this, this simple truth that you've heard before and you know, if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And when we mutually care about our uh, spouse's feelings, especially our wife, and we, tr and we try to, to understand and be empathetic for how she's feeling, we're in a much better place for everyone to have a good, a good day and, and have a, 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 a positive outlook. The old saying is true, and sometimes we say this, but it needs to really be understood. I really do feel your pain. Don't say it unless you empathize with it. But when someone in our church is suffering, we should all have this sense of suffering. And if someone is doing something that's honorable and should be celebrated, we should all celebrate. This is this idea of empathy. And we lose a big part of the body of Christ when we act like we're all separate from each other in our emotions, in our lives. We're all connected. When the big toe hurts, the arm feels the pain. That guy who lost his biceps is forever affected that that body part is destroyed. Forever. Let's not let that happen to us. Look at what it says in Ephesians 4. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. It's the way it's supposed to be. As each part does its own special work, it helps other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. When we're all healthy and building each other up, we're all growing. And that goes back to our theme even for this, this season of life that we desire to grow, grow out, grow young and grow deep. And when we're building each other up, that happens by being present, authentic, and empathetic. And you know who's the perfect example of all three of those? Jesus. Jesus is the perfect example of someone who cares. He was fully present as a human. Even though he was fully God, he became a full man. He was he was able to be authentic by, by sharing even with God and his disciples that he desired for a way to the cross, uh, the way to salvation may be different than the cross. He said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. He was real about his challenges. And he was completely empathetic because he went through everything that we have and more. He really does feel our pain. He's felt our pain. You're like, did Jesus really feel our pain? Okay, it, it, we understand he came to earth. We know Jesus was real. We knew that he was very authentic in his teaching and his relational style. But did he really feel our pain? Absolutely. The gospel makes it clear that he suffered and died and became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God, so that our sins might be removed as far as the east is from the west. And never forget that he felt our pain. Watch this clip.
Forgive them, Father. I don't know what they do. Listen to the scripture again. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Jesus, on the cross, felt the pain of not only the, the nails through his hands and his feet, but he felt the pain of being separated from the Father because of my sin and your sin. He empathizes with us completely through temptation and the experience of sin, not because it was his own sin, but because he took on mine and yours. And in that moment on the cross, he was completely present as a human being who was dying. He was uh, completely authentic as he cried out to the Father for us to be forgiven and for for a relationship with the Father to continue. But at that moment, the Father turned his back on him because of my sin and your sin. He fully empathizes with the reality of being separated from God because of sin. And today you may be here and you're separated from God and you never really knew it until this point, but you feel distant from God and from the church and from everyone because you've realized you've been holding on to sin. But what's amazing, when you allow Jesus to take away your sin, he has removed that so you can be in perfect relationship with the Father and the body. To allow you to be present, authentic, and empathetic. Because you've went through it. Because Christ went through it for you. Today, we're going to have a, a time of decision. And if you would like to receive that forgiveness of sin so you can be a part of the body, uh, to be forgiven and be made perfect, we invite you to come forward to, to make that confession of faith and be baptized. If you have been around this church family long enough and you're like, I want to be a part of this, I want to be a part of the body to care for one another, we invite you to do that and make that confession of faith and say, I want to be a part of the family. Whatever decision you may have today, Jesus cared enough for you to give everything he had so that we could be in his body and build up one another. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for today. I thank you for this time that we can be challenged to care for one another and follow the example of Jesus. Father, I pray that if someone is being touched today and being moved by your spirit to make a decision, that, that they would claim it in Christ and be made new. In his name we pray, amen.